Good morning, everybody. What a wonderful spring day we're having, and um, yesterday was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I could smell uh, barbecue and gas grills all over the neighborhood, man. Everybody was getting them going. So good to have you with us this morning. My name's Tim, and uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. And uh, if it's your first time here, we're so excited that you would come and join us here on a Sunday morning. We're in a series called, Who Do You Say I Am? And it's a question Jesus asked His disciples. As I was looking on the Internet and doing some research in general, um, I was telling you last week there was over 200 names associated with Jesus in the Bible. Nave's topical Bible has put every variation, so there's over 343 different names attached to Jesus. Is that something like an exhaustive list or what? And, oh my goodness, that's a lot of names. And they, and there are names associated, things like Redeemer, Lamb of God, which we talked about last week, uh, a carpenter's son, the Alpha and the Omega. I mean, you could probably think of Savior, Lord, Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. There's, there's several. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. They're just everywhere in the Bible. I got to thinking about that. If you could sum up Jesus with one name, if you had to choose, from all of those names, those over 340-some names, what would that name be? And you might think, Tim, I don't think a name can capture Jesus. And I think maybe you might be right. But John, the closest friend of Jesus, takes a stab at it. In fact, I think he, he thinks he can sum up Jesus with one, with one name. And he calls him the Word. Now, in, if this is found, and, and John's the only guy that calls Jesus the Word. Although you could probably find some Old Testament implication that, that talk about the Word and connected to Christ, of all the disciples, John's the one that called Jesus the Word. He uses it several times, or a few times, here in John and in the book of Revelation. I'm going to read with you, if you've got a Bible and you have to get it out, we're going to read uh, John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 18. This is how John, the closest friend of Jesus, begins his gospel. Before he talks about Jesus at all, He wants you to know something. Look what he says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He's talking about John the Baptist here. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. John uses the word believe in his gospel more than anybody, uh, any disciple. Almost uh, over 90 times he uses this word believe or belief. That's one of the goals he has in this gospel, is that he wants you to believe some things. He doesn't want you to miss something. In verse 8, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He says like, he came to the world, the world didn't recognize him. came to his Jewish people, they didn't even receive him. Yet to all who received him, he's saying there's a few that did, To those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, His glory, the glory of the one and only, 
who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me will surpass me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Can we pray? Father, I want to ask You this morning just to really help us understand this, Father. I have My brain is on overload from everything I've studied. And Father, uh, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. It's by faith that I believe this, even though I may not understand it myself and fully understand it myself. Uh, John understands some things that I don't understand. But I pray, Father, You'll help me teach clearly this morning and help us as a church help someone here know that God loves them and wants to change their life I pray in Christ's name Amen you know notice here up on the screen I've got a lot of stuff to show you on the screen before we get into your notes but look here on the screen here here's something that that John says John calls Jesus the word and he starts off he says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was, was with God uh, so he, he talks about all things were made by the Word. And then in verse 14, we go down to verse 14, look what it says. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Because we've seen Him. He kind of, after he describes the Word in general sense, he gets a little more specific. And he, he's talking about Jesus, the Son of God, as the Word. And in Revelation, he says this. These are the, three, these are the places where G, John calls, the, the disciple of John calls Jesus by the name the Word. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and His name is the Word of God. I've asked myself this, why, John, do you call Jesus the Word? He used over 70 other names to describe Jesus in His Gospels and His writings in Revelation. Why does He choose to start with the Word? And I think it's because at first John did not understand who Jesus was, but over time, by being His closest friend, he learned Jesus was much more than the Messiah, the Christ, born in a manger, died on the cross. Those are all important, but he learned something else. Now, I got to thinking about this. Before we could talk about Jesus being the Word, I thought we need to consider some things about this idea of the Word. What does it communicate? You know, why call Jesus the Word? Well, let's look at a few things about words. Look at this. First of all, words communicate or convey important information. That's what we use words for, am I right? We, we give information to each other. I'm, my name's so-and-so, I live at this address, and blah, blah, blah. You know, we give facts and different things of information. Sometimes it's very important information. I have this blood type. I have this, we're talking to a doctor, you know. I, I've had this, history, this, this stuff in my history of my family. It's good information. Words also can communicate intent or motive. We use words to say, well, that's why I did this. That's why I want to do this. This is, my, this is what I'm, I'm trying to do. This is my plan. This is what I'm planning to do. Words also reveal character. That's another thing words do. Have you ever said something stupid? I said some stupid stuff this week. Mark Twain once said, It's better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Sometimes words 
Our words convey our character. They represent our value. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah, so it's inside us. What comes inside us. Yeah, that's why the Word of God, it's inspired by God. It comes from the heart down deep inside of God. That's what Second Timothy says. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. It comes from inside Him. It's part of Him. So sometimes my words convey who I am. There's another thing about words I thought was interesting. Sometimes we use words to change things. We want to change a situation. Can you think of you can you think of things that words that could just change things like that? I'll, let me give you I love you. Let me tell you that'll change things. I hate you. That will change things. I'm sorry. Does that change things? I've been in heated arguments and said I'm sorry, and it all of a sudden just turns the situation around. I forgive you. It don't even have to be a, a two or three words. It could be just one word that can change situation. Yes. No. You get it? Yeah. yeah. Words can change things. I've also learned something about words, and that is this, is that words consist more than being verbal. Body language. We communicate with our bodies, don't we? We communicate body language. It's international. International language in a way. Yeah. But we also communicate not just with our bodies, but uh, with our actions. You know, we've heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Is that true? A picture paints a thousand words. Yeah, actions do speak louder than words or can speak louder than words. Sometimes, the thing I'm, I'm just amazed with is actions speak. Just that. They say a lot. Well, John connects. Well, here's these, the reason I believe he's calling Jesus the Word is because he's learned that Jesus does, does all of that. He, 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 he's able to connect what he says, what he does, and who he is, and boils it down to word. Word. Let me give you a couple of examples. Here's a couple of examples up on the screen here. In John 14, 6, Jesus is telling, talking to some people, and he answers it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I could say, well, he says that he tells the truth. Jesus tells the truth. He does tell the truth, but he doesn't say, I tell the truth. He said, I tell the truth. How, how, countless times he said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Of course he tells the truth. Why? He is the truth. He does truth. I was my son Nathan. Uh, he's not here, and I never can remember where this quote comes from. He always says, "He says Are you call me a liar. I'm not calling you a truther." And I'm like, he goes, "What? What show, Dad?" And Josh, Dad, it's, I, yeah, Drake and Josh, is that it? Yeah. I, he always, I, I never can remember that, but I always thought it was such a funny statement. Jesus is a truther. He's a truther. What do you mean? He is truth. He does truth. He talks truth. Here's another example. This is found in John 10. Jesus answered, the works. He says, you want to know what testifies about me? The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. He says, my actions, the things I do, speak. 
they say things, just like your actions and my actions do. He says, they testify who I really am. They testify all about me, what I do. So John combines, and that's just two examples of a bunch of examples in the book of John, where, where John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, puts together this connection, this continuity between what Jesus says, what Jesus does, and who Jesus is, and sums it up with one word, one name. He's the word. He's the word. Look at this passage here in Hebrews 1, and then we'll get to your notes. Look at this in Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And I'm thinking about that. At many times and in various ways, He spoke through prophets. I get the many times because He spoke about God spoke through prophets at different times in history in many ways. And then you start thinking about some of the prophets. Some of the prophets didn't do a lot of speaking, they did a lot of doing. Daniel's life spoke. Ezekiel. Oh my gosh. That guy's weird. He lays on his side for so long. Then he lays on his side. He, hey, hey, what's this mean? This is how long it's going to be. Israel's going to be punished. And, and, and he goes, hold it. Another message. He rolls over for a few more days. What's that? Each day represents what's going to happen to Judah. Just thought you all know. You know, that's how, how it works. <laughs> you know, he's staring at frying pans. What are you doing? You starting a show or so, a cooking show? This is where I can see something in this frying pan. But that's Ezekiel was used as an object lesson. And there's other more graphic things that Ezekiel did that just don't make sense. But it makes it, but God spoke through him. He spoke through prophets many times in various ways. But notice it says, but in the last days, is that now? In these last days. He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. The Son, and look at this. What it, it's interesting. The Hebrew writer puts something together that John just said in chapter 1. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, and look at it says, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. He's the Word. You say, I don't, I don't recognize. Let's look at that for a minute as we go through these points and see if it doesn't make sense to you. You see, God, when He had a message to give, He gave it through prophets, but now the last message, the last messenger is Jesus Christ. And He does it through His lips and through His life. So what's the message? We've been focusing on Jesus and I know that uh, many of you, if we took a survey, what name would you like to hear a, a sermon on, maybe? Or I like it. Well, why should we preach on this one? You know, Jesus is called a serpent. He's even called a serpent. He's called a new temple. He's called a lot of things. And they all have certain meanings, and, certain, and, and they draw certain detail or certain, a spotlight to certain details of his life. But this one, John says, Tim... I'm not like Matthew. I didn't, I'm not talking about Jesus as a disciple. I'm not talking about, talk, talking about Jesus like Matthew or Mark, who had to get lots of uh, eyewitnesses together and put it all together. I'm talking about Jesus as one who is a close friend of His. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm the one leaned up against Him in the Lord's Supper. You're going to see, you're going to see uh, I know who it is, is going to be leaning up against Jesus. That's John in the Lord's Supper. Is it I? He asks. 
He's one of the sons of thunder. This guy, this guy, think about this. He knows Jesus so well and is so close to Jesus. Before Jesus dies, he says, would you take care of my mother? Imagine, he's going to take care of the mother of Christ. And here he is having some time with her. He could learn so much more about his Lord, couldn't he? What was he like as a kid? What was he like as a teenager? This man knows more about Jesus than anybody. And he says, you know what I've learned, Tim? What? I followed him for three years. And my my initial idea of Jesus has changed from Messiah and Christ to the Word. I don't know if we I don't believe you have to know everything about Jesus to be right with God. But you want it to grow. That's why we're doing this series. That's why we're taking this year and looking at Christ. Guys, I tell you what, for me personally, I am discovering things about me. I used to be so focused on events. Nickels and noses, you know, attendance, contribution, focused on details, all this stuff, really making sure it's all going down right the way it's supposed to. And Jesus is going, hey, Tim, what about me? Can I get some of that attention? Can I get some of that focus? And we're spending the year looking at Jesus, and I'll tell you what I've learned. My, my focus and, or my knowledge of Jesus has grown over the years, and sometimes it's plateaued. And praise God that we're looking at Jesus all over again. Why is that so important? Because when we see Jesus, who He really is, all that other stuff that we're so focused on kind of falls into place, doesn't it? Sure. So what does, what does the Word say? He carries a message these last days. What's the message that John wants you and I to get from the Word about God? Well, here they are. The first one is, the Word reveals God's character. And look at these verses with me. In other words, we see what God is like. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Circle, and the Word was God. If you would. The Word is God. He's saying, this, this, who I'm calling the Word has been there since the beginning. You're going to find out he's even before the beginning. Everything was made. He says here, through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. He's made everything. In verse 18, look at it says here, at the very last verse, No one has ever seen God, but God the only Son is very close to the Father, and He has shown us what God is like. Just like your words reveal who you are, Jesus Christ, God's Word the Word reveals who God is and what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, focus, listen, learn, look at Jesus Christ. You know, the problem I, I think most people have is we see Jesus, a Christmas Easter Jesus. I heard people talk about, uh, uh, this week I was listening to a fellow talking about it's not our theology so much as our Christology. It's how we see Christ that really matters. That really, that, that's what matters to John. It's probably a more focused theology. How do I see Jesus? And for, for a lot of people, we connect Jesus with Christmas and Easter. In other words, He was born. He did some miracles. He chose 12 disciples. 
And he died on a cross and resurrected from the grave for me. And honestly, guys, that's great stuff. That's good news. That's the gospel. That's good. Nothing wrong with believing that. And I believe John had you know, his first idea when he met Jesus. He didn't see everything about him either. You and I don't see everything about Jesus. I don't even know if our minds can comprehend everything. You know, we're talking when we talk when I the thing I worry about preaching on something like this is I confuse everybody because the the Trinity or Godhead, the three in one, is a very confusing topic. And I'm not even going to try to attempt to explain it. I'm just going to try to attempt here to talk about what John is saying we should see about Jesus. But when John met Jesus, he didn't see everything either. John discovers, listen, John discovers that Jesus is much bigger than he thought. He used to see Jesus as born in Bethlehem. That's when Jesus started. Now he goes, wait a minute, he was before Bethlehem. He goes, oh my, he was before the beginning. He discovers that as he gets closer and closer to Christ. That's why it's so important this year. It's really up to you. We can get up here and cheerlead all we want and your group, you know, discipleship group can cover Luke or cover whatever and we can talk about Jesus till, till we're crazy, guys. But what you decide to do privately in your quest to understand Christ is so important. So important. I mean, you read, you, you read uh, this uh, passage, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Doesn't that sound familiar? Does that sound like another verse in the Bible? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It sounds like Genesis 1. What's John doing? He goes, I've got to go way back. Well, how far back? Well, I'm going to go pa- past Bethlehem. Okay, how far? I'm going to go past Daniel. You know, we saw Jesus, Son of Man, in the furnace, shattered Meshach and Abednego. Let's go past that. Well, where are we going? I've got to go all the way back to the beginning. And what I've realized, Tim, what I've realized, Greater Alton Church, if John were here today, he'd say, what I learned was that Jesus was the Word before He was a man. And I don't need to get locked into this little Jesus. Jesus is much bigger than you think. He deserves to be bigger than you think. And that's why you should listen to him. And John says, let me show you how big he is. He says three things here that you and I must know. We've got to know. One, Jesus is your God. He's saying he is God in the flesh. He, the word, it says, was God. Let me show you a passage that was written 20 years before John wrote down the book of John. 20 years Paul wrote this. 20 years before John recorded anything. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. What's Paul mean? He means, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. What does it mean? That. You can't say it any better. When you look at Jesus, you see God. You mean... Like Talladega Nights, you know he had a beard. No, I'm not talking about the physical nature. But the way he the way he talked, the way he treated people, what he had to say and what he did, his values, his morals, his purity. It's God in a body. So you and I can see it's possible to live 
for our Father. Look at this next verse. This is verse 19. This is up on the screen. This is Colossians 1.19. God was pleased for all of Himself to live in, in the Son. How much of God was in Jesus? All of Him. Not 99.9, not 50%. You know, uh, this week I was... I put in glass, I put in auto glass. My brother took a group down to Shawnee National Forest to have a bachelor party with Michael, and they're having it in a cave a mile off the road. There's no bathroom, they're digging a hole. Sounds like a lot of fun. That's why I didn't go. I'm putting in auto glass and I'm walking, just walking through Lexus of St. Louis. And this mechanic stops me and goes, Hey, you're Danny's brother, aren't you? And I said, How do you know that? And he goes, You have the same gait. What does he mean? What's he talking about? Same gait. I don't have a fence around my house. He's talking about that. We got that from our dad. He was bow-legged too. Look at that. You can almost drive a truck through that. We have that gate. Is there, are there times when you go, man, so you say something, you go, that's what my dad would say, or that's how my mother would say that, or that's how my, what my dad would do. You don't have all of your dad, all of your mother. You might even have kind of a, some crazy uncle going on there or nutty aunt. Am I right? I mean, there's, there's... But Jesus was all of His Father. He's all. And God is pleased with that. He goes, I am so glad. So when Jesus talked, that's how God would talk. He was 100% God and 100% man. You say, what does that mean, Tim? I don't. I can't get my mind around that. It's just hard. I just accept it. I, the closest friend of Jesus who was there says, that's who He is, Tim. And notice, notice even Jesus Himself said, when, it, when Philip was saying, show us the Father, He goes, well, haven't I been with you long enough? And look what He says here in John 14, up on here on the screen. He says, if anyone sees Me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God? You see God? I'm Him! Even Thomas, after the resurrection, after Easter, he concluded, My Lord and my God. You get around Jesus enough, you start seeing Him as who He really is. Now my question is this for you this morning. What do you see when you see Jesus? The world saw poverty, a carpenter's son, nothing that impressive, a guy whose birth is questionable. The disciples saw morality, purity, and saw his love. By the way, I want you to think about something here. I thought it was interesting. There's a passage where Jesus says, he prays to his, in John 17, he says, Lord, give me, would you give me the glory that I had when I was with you before the, before the beginning? What's, you know how sometimes you read a verse and, you, and it's the obvious point, but it makes another point without trying? I, what I notice is, is that there was a father and son before everything was created. 
There was relationship before everything was created. Hey, hey, there was love before everything was created. Love is eternal. That's why it never ends. It never had, never had a beginning. It's part of God. And that's available to you and I. How do you see Jesus? Let me ask you this, ask you this like this. Do you treat Jesus like a son or like God? See, my sons are not completely me. And my son calls auto tire up the other day. You know, he's going to call him up. I need to get a wheel alignment. It costs $100. Give me the phone. Hello, auto tire? Yeah, this is Tim. I'm his dad. What can I do for you, Mr. Gill? I know you can do that cheaper. You're right. Okay, here it is. All right, thank you. Click. Man, Dad, you're amazing. That's what he says to me. You're amazing. I'm Dad. My son, you're kind of like me, and you're kind of like your mom. And what, I'm, what, I, what are you trying to say to him? I'm saying is that people treat dads different and fathers differently than they do sons. Would you agree? How do you treat Jesus? Because he is God. But he's the son. See, that's what I'm saying. Is we, we get this idea of Jesus, and he's, he's a little idea. He's bigger than you think. He is God in the flesh. How do you see Him? How do you treat Him? He's also eternal. That's another thing John points out. He's eternal. In the beginning was the Word. You know, it says in Revelation, on the off of the Omega. You know, words are made up of letters. And it's the Greek alphabet that is being used here, off of the Omega. And, and basically what he's saying is, on the beginning of the end. I'm the first and the last. I've got you covered from A to Z. That's basically what he's saying. I've been around from the beginning, and I'll be around to the end. I'm not going anywhere. You know, that's so good to remember. He's eternal. He's in your past. You have nothing to worry about. He's right now with, in, in your present. You have nothing to worry about. And the future, he's already there waiting. He's eternal. So why are you so worried? And the third thing is, He's your Creator. John wants us to see, He's your Creator, Tim. He says in verse 3, Through Him all things were made. And catch this. Look at this real close. I underlined it. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. What, is he, what are we talking about? Well, there's groups out there today that's, that claim that Jesus is a God. They, they trans, retranslate John 1 and call Him a God, or they call Him an, an angel, and they're saying that He was created. He was made. Guys, it says here without Him, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have some bachelor or master or theological degree following your name. Look at this. It says without Him, nothing was made that has been made. It's saying He was before everything was made. By the way, it says that. You know, when you start messing around with the Bible and trying to change it, you've got to change all of it. And the problem with the New World's translation with the Jehovah Witnesses is they didn't get it all done. <laughs> they let some of these verses like verse 3 still, stay, still, still there. It's very clear that He's the Creator. He made it all. He wasn't made and then He made it all. <laughs> Nothing was made. If he wasn't there, that means he was before. He's eternal. 
Jesus, in other words, is not in the made category. He is in the maker category. Again, look at this. And I look at this passage in Colossians. This brings it all together. Paul takes John 1 and brings everything that John points out all together in this passage. First, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. What is he saying? He is God. He existed before anything was created. He's eternal. He is supreme over all creation. Again, he's God. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. He's creator. He, what? 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 Time out, Tim. Did you say he made the things we don't see? Yeah. That's what it says. He not only made everything you see, the stuff you can't see. Thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. And look what it says here. Everything was created through him and for him. Oh, so in all he did, he created everything. It has a purpose. Would that include me? Would that include you? Absolutely. And look at this. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And then he says this. He wants you, to, you and I to know this. As members of his kingdom, he says, Christ is also the head of the church. The God eternal creator is head he calls the shots in this church I'm not the boss I gotta to talk to the big guy you better look aim a little higher than me <laughs> you really should I'm not the guy I used to think I was the guy I'm in charge everybody go well you know I heard a guy preacher one time say well you know our preachers lead today they're the ones in charge and that's sad I'm not saying we, we don't need leadership. We need good leadership, guys. And that's in, in that context, if that statement's made in that context, I get it. But there is only one head, and that is God Himself, Jesus Christ. The Word. The Word. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. And look what it says there. So He is first in everything. Is he first? Is he first in everything? When I was a kid, we used to have a thing called play day, and we would the, near the end of school, and all the second graders would race, or third graders, they would all race together, or we'd do throwing the ball, or you know, do all this track and field stuff. The whole school was involved in it, and they'd give ribbons, different ribbons. And they didn't have just first, second, and third. They had first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. And I guess that was the cutoff. And they were all different colors. And I wanted first, it was the blue, shiniest, prettiest one. I didn't want second, it was red. Third was green. Fourth, this light blue. Like it had been left in the water or in a mud puddle and it faded in the sun fourth I got fourth but man if you ask me where's my, where's my desire first I'm not asking you where your desire is I'm asking you where you really are if God's handing out the ribbons would he say Tim um, you're first here's your blue ribbon 
Or could I say, no, that really belongs to you. That's yours. What, what ribbon would God get in the competition that He has with everything you own and everything you have and every dream and plan you have? Where's He at? Where's He going to finish? Is up to you. I know what I want. I know what I'm after. I want Him to say, Tim, I'm first. What about you? He deserves to be first in everything. Number two, what's the word also do? It explains God's plan. It explains God's plan. Just like our words, your words and I, they, they communicate intent or our purpose or our plans. God has, His word is doing the same thing. Jesus does the same thing. I should expect that. You see, if I'm looking at Jesus, He's going to reveal His plan. You know, today, some of you are probably thinking, you know, you're going to say something like, after church, I'm going to Applebee's. That's your purpose, or that's your intent. That's your plan. After college, I'm going to get married and settle down and have some kids. There's your plan, okay? I'll see you, some of us in our zone, we're getting together at my house for small group. I'll see you at 5 o'clock for small group. And, you know, those who say that and really mean it will be there, and those that are lying will not. And Tim, you're me. What does the Word reveal about God's plan? What does Jesus reveal about God's purpose? What's God's intent? You see, Jesus communicates God's will for your life. That's why you should pay attention to what He has to say. It's not just the red letters, but everything that was... All the black letters as well. To look at what He does, not only what He says... In John 1, let's read verses 3 through 5 here in your notes. And with this word, God created all things. Nothing was made without the word. Everything that was created received its life from Him. He created everything and He made sure it was alive. Did He create it for a reason, guys? It seems to me, why would He keep giving it life? And His life gave light to everyone. Notice that. He says, I created, Jesus created everything and He gives it life. And He puts light out there. You can't live without light. The sun shuts down tomorrow, we're in trouble. You, you can't stay in the night all the time. We're made light. And aren't you glad winter is hopefully over? I say it very carefully and cautiously. Light What's light? The light, this, I love this. The light keeps shining in the darkness, and darkness has never put it out. Praise God. What's, God, what's, what's God's plan? He, gives, he wants His plan is to give me life, to give you life. His plan is the word, of, the word, Jesus, gives light. He's going to shed some light in your life. You know, it's funny. John uses the word life. 22 times in the book of John. He uses it more than anybody else. And this light that, that, that we're looking at, this, the Word is giving, is the kind of light that gives life and shows the way. I love this part. It keeps shining. The light keeps shining in the dark. Guys, the light is always there for you. What was that? Motel 6, we'll keep the light on. God... It's always shining His light in your life. Now, you may not like it. How many times have you remember somebody turned on the lights? Oh, turn the lights off. 
Or I need some light and somebody flips the light on and goes, oh man, I can see. Darkness can never put it out. It'll always be there. Every choice you make, every decision you're making, anything you run into this week or the, or the next week, there'll always be God's light available to show you what to do. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Your word is, a lamp, is like a lamp that guides my steps, a light that shows the path I should take. Jesus in John 7, look what he says here. He says, What I teach is not my own. I want you to notice something. He's making it real clear. I didn't make this up. He's the Word. He says, What I'm saying is not mine. My teaching comes from the One who sent me. And who's that? That's His Father. That's God. People who really want to do what God wants will know that my teaching comes from God. They will know that this teaching is not my own. If I taught my own ideas, I'd just be trying to get honor for myself. But if I'm trying to bring honor to the one who sent me, I can be trusted. Anyone doing that is not going to lie. He said, I'm, I didn't make this up. This is, this is from God himself. I'm, didn't Jesus say I'm here to tell everybody what, God's, what my father said and to do exactly what he says? I'm here to show you and I'm here to bring you God's will for your life. That's why I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life, the best life. You know, Peter and John, uh, you read about in Acts chapter 3. I I got to thinking, I wonder if there's any place else in the Bible besides what John says where he kind of talks about how important it is to listen to the will of God. In Acts 3, Peter and John happened to be going to the temple. If you remember, there was a guy crippled and he's asked for alms or asked for money. And, of course, Peter and John don't have any money. Church is always out of money. You know, they don't have any money. You know, and so, but we'll give you this. We'll give you. We don't have silver and gold, but we'll give you this. And the, by the power of Jesus, rise up and walk. And we all know what happens. He gets up. And he starts walking. And he starts dancing. He starts leaping. He starts praising God. Crowd starts gathered around. What's going on here? Hey, that's the guy that's crippled. He can walk again. That's amazing. And then Peter and John, while this beggar is hanging on, has, has one each hand out. He's got Peter by, by one hand and John by the other. He's holding them together. Peter starts talking. You guys, don't you understand? This is, this is, this is an amazing miracle. This is about Christ. This is about Jesus. And then he, he's talking to Jews who understand Old Testament and understand Moses, and he points them to Christ. Look what he says here. Moses said, he tells these people, the Lord your God will give you a prophet. That prophet will come from among your own people. He will be like me. How is Jesus like Moses? He delivers. He delivers people. And he delivers a message. Moses delivered people out of Egypt and delivered the Ten Commandments to the people, the message from God. He goes, he's going to be just like me. Look what he says. You must obey everything he tells you. You read verse 23. Mark it down and read verse 23 sometime. And look at the alternative. You've got to get this straight, guys. We've got to get this straight here. That Jesus Christ, he is God, and we should do what he says. 
He reveals His Word. This Word reveals the will of God for your life. It's His desire. Are you trying to figure something out? You say, you know, Tim, I wish I could figure something out. What's that? I've got an addiction I don't, I don't know how to tackle. I've got something going on in my family. I'm, just, I, I'm at wit's end. I don't know where to start. Or I look at my finances and I'm going, I don't know. What, what do I do? Or I've got something inside me. I call it an emotional demon. That's what I have. I'm just being honest with you. I have these emotional, tormenting thoughts that steal my joy, that steal my excitement sometimes, you know? And what do I do? What do I do? I'll tell you what I've learned to do. I'm doing. I look and I listen to Jesus and do what He says. Even if I don't understand it. Even if it don't make sense. Even if I don't like it. I want to pick up the cup. Not my will. Your will. That's what I'm learning is at the bottom of the the problem. It's my will against God's will. And God keeps shining light, keeps bringing people to my life, trying to talk to me, trying to get me to understand something. And what do I do? I try to turn the lights off. I close my eyes. I close my ears. Anybody else doing this? You'll never get out of darkness that way. You've got to listen to the will of God. Church, why bother looking at Jesus? You just want to feel good? I just want to feel the warm fuzzies. Jesus is my Savior. He's the Word. He deserves your attention. He wants to reveal to you life. The third thing is the Word is designed to change me. You know, when Jesus comes into the picture, it's to accomplish God's will to, and to change me. Sometimes we use words to try to change things. Why do we do that? Because we know words can be very powerful. Can you think of a, somebody who said something to you, pulled you aside and said something to you, and that word of encouragement changed your life? I was a baby Christian. I was, I was barely dried off. I went to a Soul winning workshop in Williamstown, West Virginia. Denise had been studying with me for two years. And I know she probably thought, what is he? Will he ever crack? And I go to this workshop. And I'm listening to the preaching. And man, I am like, this is awesome. But I'm not letting anybody know. What do you think, Tim? Eh, nah. Inside I'm going... Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And we're sitting here, and I remember Pat Casey was preaching. I don't remember what he was preaching on. But it was time for the invitation. And just as I am, begin to key up. And everybody's singing, just as I am. Everybody stands up, and everybody starts moving in our row that went to church that I went in the group I was at. Everybody's gone except me and Jeff Edson and Mike Napier, the preacher. I looked down at Mike during during the lesson. Inside, I'm in turmoil. All the scriptures, all the light, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, 
going to pop out of me. I'm like, I know what I need to do. I look down at Mike, and he's doing this. I'm like, what's he doing? I asked him later, what were you doing? Tim, I was praying for you. I was speaking to God. God, you've got to do something to this guy. He's been studying for two years with, with Denise, and he, he, can't you do something? And he said, Tim, I went, would you do something right now? And he looked over, and I remember him looking over. And Jeff Edson, standing next to me, goes, Tim, why don't, why don't we go? And I go, Okay, I'm tired of running. That's what I said. And down we go, and hundreds of people have responded. And what chair do I happen to set behind but my wife's chair? She happened to be right in front of me. And guys, it was some words. Just powerful words. Let's go, Tim. A little nudge. And it changed my life. You say, well, that wasn't why you became a Christian. Oh, no. It was all the other things that were said to me. All the other things I read. All the preaching. All the studying. All the praying. See, the Word, when God says something, it's going to happen. He doesn't lie. He tells the truth. And when God, God's words are extremely powerful... It says in Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He just says it, and it changed a dark world to a world of light. He created things and changed things with words. And so if, if I'm going to approach Jesus and He's the Word, I should expect that He's going to say something to me and do something with me to change me. And I may not like it. I may be afraid of it. But I'll tell you, he's got, his, he's got, he has got your best interests in mind. Psalms 33, verse 9, if you just jot this down and read it sometime, it says, He spoke and it came to be. God spoke and it came to be. The, the, the uh, easy to read version says, He spoke and things happened. In Isaiah 55, verse 11, and I want to read this one to you. Um, it's funny. God gives you verses you don't even know are there. I'm on my way to church this morning, and I'm praying with James. And he goes, oh, you've got to read Isaiah 55. What's in Isaiah 55? Well, just read it, brother, sometime. Well, here's what he, here's what he showed me. Here he pointed me to. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And when he sent Jesus, I want you to know, guys, he sent Jesus in order to change you and I. To change our situation. That means every... Listen, guys. Every warning that God gives will happen. Every warning you receive from God, you need to pay attention to because it will happen. But remember this. Every promise God makes will happen too. 
Let me close out with this verse and then we'll get out of here. Okay? I want you to think about it as we read this passage here in, in John. Jesus came to bring... He came to bring you life. And the question is, will I listen? I want you to ask yourself, will I listen to Jesus and let Him give me life? It says here, the true light was coming into the world and this is the true light that gives light to all people. The Word was already in the world. The world was made through Him, but the world did not know Him. He came to the world that was, was His own, and His own people did not accept Him. But some people did accept Him. They believed in Him, and He gave them the right to become children of God. They became God's children, but not in the way babies are usually born. It was not because of any human desire or plan. They were born from God Himself. In other words, born by God's desire. See, God wants to change you. He wants to give you life. The question is, will I accept Him? He wants to change my situation. If, if, if you have not obeyed the Gospel, you are not right with God. You're in trouble. If you've left God, listen, you are in big trouble. You don't have to stay that way. If you would believe in Him, what's that mean by believe in Him? And I, I, I'll just tell you this. It means that you trust Him and obey what He says to become a Christian. That's what it means. You know, when you do that, you have a relationship with Him. You're in His family. And that's what He wants to give you. That's what He wants to change most of all. He wants you in His family. Will you accept Him? Will, you, will He be the Word in your life? Will His message change your life? You have a card in your bulletin. And the card is just an opportunity for you to Maybe a, a, a choice or a decision you want to make this morning. Maybe, maybe a, you've got a prayer request for someone or for yourself. These cards are taken up every Sunday and they're given to people who care about you and care about, care about prayer. And they are prayer warriors and they go before God and pray on your behalf. They don't call me up and say, hey Tim, guess what so and so did? They don't call somebody else and go, hey, look, look at the dirt on this person if they share something that's very private. They believe that's private and they talk to the Lord and the Lord only about that. I want you to take advantage of it this morning. What do you need to pray about? Lord, I've got you too small. I need to see you bigger than you are. Help me see how big. Is that, help, me, help me see how big you are. Is that what it needs to be? I just want to ask you this morning to think about what, what, what do you, would you like God to do and pray about it. Now I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together. And I'd like to ask you to stay seated if we could pray. And then, you know, if you've got to go get kids and stuff, if you could go do that, you know, maybe during the second song, that'd be great if you could do that. Because everybody, I want everybody to be thinking this morning. Would you do that, please? Let's, let's pray. Lord God, thank You for this morning. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Jesus. Help us see Him as He truly is. Help us see You in Him, Lord. As He reveals Your character, help us see Your love. 
your justice, your, your wisdom. Father, I pray that, that we'll also not only see, um, see Jesus as our Lord and our God, help us see Him as that way, Lord, but also see the plan to be, to be incredibly interested and curious about the plan and the intent that Your Word gives. And Lord, I pray this, this morning, Father, that we'll also be changed by Your Word, that we'll be different every time we read Your Word. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.